0: You're listening to Something Real with Pastor Rich Zeiger, connecting the reality of God to the realities of life. On today's episode, we're diving into Luke chapter 3 and talking a little bit about uh, baptism, repentance, salvation, you know, these really light and uh, airy subjects. So without further ado, let's get right into it.
1: This week we're going to start looking at uh, Luke chapter 3. We've been um, following this story as Luke has given us a foundation for a confident faith. And uh, as we get into this uh, new chapter, we're jumping ahead in the timeline. We've seen the birth of John the Baptist and Jesus. And uh, when we last left our our hero, uh, Jesus was uh, presented at the temple in Jerusalem and uh, Simeon and Anna had made prophecies about, or Simeon particularly had made prophecies about uh, what he would do, which flowed from who he was. As we saw the birth narrative at the beginning of Luke 2, um, the the angels were declaring the the identity and the nature and character of Jesus. And so um, because he was Messiah, he would do the things that Messiah was to do. And now jumping ahead to Luke 3, Luke um, the, the narrative goes directly from Jesus at 12 to John the Baptist as an adult. And uh, Luke gives us the timeline. Um, as he does throughout this, he gives us historical context so that we can see these events actually took place and, and we can research them as he did. So starting with the very beginning, he says, In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Iturea. And, and Lysanias uh, was tetrarch of Abilene. Uh, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. So what we see is that uh, this is happening, according to secular history, we can place this around 29 AD. And um, so, you know, Jesus and John are about 30 at this point. And John is in the wilderness when he receives the word from God. And then in verse uh, 3, he went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And then Luke uh, goes back to the book of Isaiah to make this comparison. And he uh, shows that this was in keeping with the prophecy, saying, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And as john comes from from his wilderness wanderings whatever that looked like whatever reason he was there i've seen speculation that uh it was because the priesthood was corrupted and we see because there are two priests here rather than the one uh that was called for by god uh, this is uh, an indication of the corruption of the priesthood and uh john likely instead of becoming a priest like his father as would normally be the case uh he went off into the wilderness and rejected the priesthood i can't say for sure whether that's uh the case but uh scholars who are much wiser than i have have seen that as as a very valid possibility one one way or another we know that he's in the wilderness and the word of god comes to john and when the word of god comes to john he's moved to preach and he goes out and the preaching that he does is baptism and baptism. Of repentance and the repentance uh, leads to the forgiveness of sin so just looking at this concept that's really what we're going to be talking about today is this baptism and repentance and how they fit together so baptism uh, at that time uh, we've done a lot of things with it since then but going back to what uh, what John would have seen this as what the people at the time would have recognized baptism was an identification and so John was using uh, a ritual that was already in place among the Jews that they had taken from the Greeks. And this idea was to identify with, a, with repentance, with a changing of the mind. So I used to think one way, now I think a different way. And I symbolized that with this ritual of, um, of being immersed in water. It, it was a natural thing for the Jews to take that on. They already had ceremonial washings and cleansings. And so while the Greeks used that to align yourself with a particular philosopher or philosophy, um, which would always go hand in hand, the Jews used it to bring in proselytes. Uh, God had already uh, made it uh, clear and possible that uh, those who wished to join his people could do so. But now uh, they incorporated this this ritual that had been uh, borrowed from the Greeks to to show this what john does is unusual in that he's using it not for gentiles to become jews but for jews to turn back to god those who are going their own way to repent of living their own lives not keeping the law and to turn back to god so as an identification with turning from sin and that's that's his call Repent, change your hearts, change your minds, turn from your way back to God's way, and demonstrate that through this act of baptism uh, that identifies you with the repentant. But then in verse 7, we see that John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him. Now, preachers usually like it when crowds come and respond to their preaching, but they're coming out to be baptized, and he says, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? So John is is rebuking them he's putting them in their place and essentially saying how dare you come forward you know on this altar call what's wrong with you that that you think this is okay but he goes on to clarify by saying produce fruit in keeping with repentance in other words don't just identify with this and come go through this this confession or more specifically a profession uh, don't come and, and engage in a religious ritual if you really are changing your mind, then change your feet. Change your direction. Don't keep living your way saying you're turning to God's way. If you really are, if you really are turning away from your sin, then show it. Do it. Act on it. Um, and he, he makes sure that we see that by saying, don't begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. This is very clearly saying, look, don't don't rely on who you are by your birthright. Don't rely on your identification as a Jew. That's nothing. God can bring anybody into his kingdom that he chooses. He can raise children up for Abraham from these stones. And Abraham himself, when he sacrificed Isaac, uh, we see in Hebrews that he reckoned, he thought that, whatever God's calling me to, if he's calling me to sacrifice the child of promise, which is against everything I know God to, to want, and contrary to his promises, that God can surely raise him from the dead. God can do what he wants. Abraham knew that. John knew that. And he's saying, don't, don't rely on your identity. That's not the point. If you're going to be Abraham's children, if you're going to be God's children, then you need to show that. You need to let who you are be demonstrated in what you do. And uh, he goes on to say in verse nine, the axe is already at the root of the trees. Every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Why? Because a tree that that isn't producing good fruit doesn't have a good root. There's something wrong in that tree. It's it's not doing what it was meant to do. In other words, it's dead. So then he deals with their behavior. Um, they ask. They you know he calls them out and they actually engage with it and respond in verse 10 what should we do then the crowd asked john answered anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none anyone who has food should do the same even the tax collectors came to be baptized Uh, tax collectors at that time were particularly despised individuals they worked for rome they were known for uh, for greediness and uh, and cheating people out of money Uh, they came to be baptized and they asked teacher what should we do don't collect any more than you're required to he told them and some soldiers asked him what should we do not probably roman soldiers that would be unlikely although it may have been more likely jewish temple soldiers or uh, or those from herod's palace but these soldiers uh, ask him what should we do and he replies don't extort money don't accuse people falsely be content with your pay in other words you don't have to change your profession but you do have to change the way you go about it handle it with integrity uh and the people were blown away by this. And they were, uh, it says in verse uh, 15 that they were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all I baptize you with water. I'm doing this ceremony here. But the one who is more powerful than I, one, one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you, not with water like John. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. These two things are are in contrast to one another. They're not the same thing. It's not uh, just some fancy idea of passion when he says baptism with fire. It's not talking about the Holy Spirit descending in Acts 2. This is a picture of judgment. And in case we miss it, he makes it clear in verse 17, "...his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor." and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. This fire is a picture of judgment. So the Holy Spirit uh, will immerse all those who belong to him. In in John's context here, those who are repentant. Jesus will, when when he comes, whether John realizes it's Jesus, seems unlikely at this point he will in the latter half of this chapter. But when Jesus the Messiah comes he will immerse his people in the Holy Spirit. And those who are not his, he will immerse in fire and judgment. Verse 18, uh, it says, uh, And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. It's interesting, you know, when he's wrapping up with this idea of good news, if you're being judged, that's not very good news. So the good news is that salvation is available. And John's saying, look, come, be baptized, turn from your way to God's way. This is the preparing the way for the Lord. Repentance is what leads to this. If we don't recognize that something is wrong, and we need to turn away from this bad path of destruction to a path of life, then we can't accept Christ because we don't know that there's anything that we need. So we have to change our minds before we can receive him. And that's, that's what this baptism symbolizes And John, just like Jesus, just like James, really even just like Paul, Paul emphasizes grace in most of his things, but it's always two sides of the same coin, that if you are in Christ, if you are repentant, if you have uh, received a faith that saves you, that faith also changes you. You're being transformed from within. Not because of your good works, trying to, to stack those things and outweigh your bad, not because you've somehow merited God's favor and you're better than other people, um, quite the contrary. Because you recognize that you are so wretched in yourself and only God's grace saves you, then you begin to not live according to your own understanding but according to his. You begin to change your direction. And like any newborn baby, that's a long process. We have to learn to, to crawl before we walk and walk before we run. And so it's a it's an ongoing progress in our sanctification, but the direction has to change.
0: So baptism itself is, is symbolism. You know, baptism <coughs> doesn't equal salvation, the, the act of it. Right. But, you know, I'm just thinking about it now, and I, I don't really think I've ever fully thought about this before because we've talked so often about the act of baptism. You know, obviously there are people who go through this life and they're never baptized, and it doesn't mean they're not going to heaven or it doesn't mean they're not saved. Right but it's sacramentalists
1: would disagree with that right as they are are viewing it as the means of grace that it's still grace but it's it's uh grace that's obtained through these acts and that uh, they would see that as god's ordained way of obtaining that um we don't see that as as the biblical picture we don't uh we at real life don't believe that that is the the appropriate view of it but even for those who um believe in the the real presence of christ in the sacraments who believe in the in the bodily presence of christ it's still uh when we hearken back to the beginning baptism is always an identification so it's an, it's identification with the church even for those who might take a different view of of how baptism works for lack of a better term or what it means it always still means identification with the church mm-hmm. so if you're catholic being baptized identifies you with the body of christ in the church if you're a lutheran if you're episcopal if you're a baptist if whatever your background is you're that baptism identifies you with the family of god
0: but it's the it's the mindset behind why you choose to be baptized that makes the difference.
1: That seems to be very clearly what John's saying here: is don't come down here and think that this water is going to make right. A difference people
0: coming and, down right. saying, "Hey, we're going to get baptized and everything's going to be great." Right. Because yeah. this is what we're supposed to do.
1: Yeah, and in fact, we find uh, and I realize you know, I'm
0: making hand gestures that people can't see.
1: <laughs> I wish they could. This would be great for a live. It's very
0: <laughs> Ashley Simpson-esque on but, SNL. But if we
1: if we could, um, you know. If we get that that mentality into us that that realizes God doesn't offer us a, a life that's a bowl of cherries you know and so when we come to Christ now we're active combatants in this spiritual war that's going on where we may have been collateral damage before now we're combatants and so the enemy turns against us very heavily he doesn't have to do that when we're passive but now we're part of the family of God we're part of the the army of the Lord so to speak so very often it doesn't get better it gets harder but we are also equipped and there's a lot that you know that's another podcast entirely (laughs) but as we um as we go into baptism if we're thinking that this is going to be the ticket to please God John's saying whoa wait a minute that's that's snake thinking. You're just trying to get fire insurance, right. and that's not how any of this works.
0: Well, you've even often said, and and you know, I've I've experienced this uh, before. People get baptized, and they're you know they're ready to they're ready to commit to that, mm-hmm. and and show people that they're following Jesus. A lot of bad stuff can happen. Right. Like typically, it can become harder. Sure, and relationships try to turn all of a sudden away, go you know? crazy.
1: You know, there's a lot of things that that the enemy will do to to, to I think because you, know, you let your track.
0: you let your guard down, thinking oh everything's gonna be great now, and I'm you know
1: yeah we have that tendency at anytime we come off of a mountaintop mm-hmm. sort of experience. to... I'm
0: not know, denying like it's a cool experience no, in for general, sure.
1: and and there's nothing wrong with having these mountaintop right. experiences, but we need to recognize that just because we win a particular battle or things go really well, that doesn't mean that the war is over. That you know we're still in a difficult world our world is still broken by sin.
0: Baptism be- is essentially signing up for the for God's army. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, that's a good way to say it. So it's it. not going to be easy, right? Sure.
0: Well, I think the interesting thing about what John is saying to these people who who come and you know he, he turns them away or you know tells them you got to get your thinking right here. How relevant that still is today. But oh, for sure. It's like you just said with fire insurance, it's so easy to assume that you know, baptism not is, is going to clear away all the things we've done and will clear away all the things we do in the future. And I'm not saying that it doesn't. A baptism itself obviously doesn't. But how how do you think that works or how prevalent do you think it is that people use that as – you're very popular. Yeah, people use that as a, a way to maybe get away with things in the future? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm probably wording that wrong. Um.
1: Well, I I think what you're describing is a lot like what, um, what John's dealing with here, where you're coming because you want to be covered, but you really don't have any intention of changing, and so now we can use this excuse of you know I've shared this with you before you know my wife and I are from different church backgrounds when we Mm -hmm. met, and uh, so at the time um, the (laughs) she saw folks from my particular background as uh, those who. Believed that hey man, once I'm once I'm saved, I'm always saved. I can do whatever I want. Party right. on, dude. And that was her experience from her Bill re- and Ted's better, right? <laughs> <laughs> Most excellent. Um, from her region of the country and her denominational background, that was the experience that she had. Mine was quite the opposite. And what I saw was folks from my background having all these rules and trying to you know, um, while their doctrine might say one thing, they were trying to um, essentially put on the show so the outward part of the cup is clean regardless of what's going on the inside. If people think that I'm living right, I must be living right. If I wear the tie to church, if I you know don't listen to that devil's rock and roll and all that kind of stuff, um, then I must be doing something right. And the truth is neither of those extremes are right. And that's really what John's talking about. The fact that he mentions fruit mm-hmm. and he talks about the acts at the root of the tree He's not talking about putting on acts. A tree doesn't manufacture fruit. Artificial fruit isn't fruit.
0: And a pear tree is not going to grow apples. (laughs) Right.
1: What he's saying is just what we saw in, in Luke 2, that Jesus, because of who he was, would do what he would do. That's the same thing. Because of the change inside of us, if I've repented, if I've changed my mind and I recognize my way is a death way, God's way is the way of life, then stop walking my way, walk God's way. Will I still stumble? Sure, of course I will. Will I do this perfectly? Absolutely not. But I can't, if I haven't changed my mind, then looking like I'm going God's direction isn't going to get me to the destination. And if I have changed my mind, then I can't, I just simply can't continue in the direction that I was. I may be drawn to it. I may, you know, get sucked back into that lifestyle occasionally. Um, but there will be a progressive movement, not not a consistent movement, n- movement necessarily, but a progressive movement in God's direction rather than in my flesh direction.
0: But I think so many go into it, and you know, with the kind of God is love no matter what thing, and mm-hmm. obviously that's true, but. I, it makes me a little frustrated sometimes because and i know we've talked about the the label of christianity before but i feel like christians get a bad rap when it comes to a lot of stuff because so many of us go into things like baptism or or you know asking god into our hearts and then we think everything's going to be okay and i'm i'm i don't have to worry about anything mm-hmm. and then we still chase those those demons kind of in our lives yeah. and that's frustrating as a Christian to, to hear non Christians say, Well, you're all like this. Right. But it's also frustrating to me personally because I see people in my own life who have, have done these things and said these things and I find myself judging them. I'm like, you did this, now why are you still doing right, this? Yeah. And that's not for me to do either. Right. So, and we do fall into
1: that. Right. You know, even when we don't want to and that's not just Christians, people in general. Do well that. sure, we're all very Christians judging. are conscious of it. Yeah. You know, as we work through it. And it goes both ways it, it, it's sometimes we will judge others, and and far too often we'll we'll even judge ourselves. Yeah. and you know Paul says that, I, I don't even judge myself. you know this as we're doing this, we need to recognize that if Christ paid for all of my sin, then me trying to fix that is a distraction from following him. Let him fix it. If I focus on Christ, then the rest of that stuff melts away all at once no as quickly as I'd like it to certainly not but I'm moving in his direction and if I'm holding his hand there's only so long that I can continue to to fall you know and eventually he's going to finish what he started Philippians 1 6 says that we can be confident that he who started the good work in us will complete it and and continue to complete it, and it's interesting that Paul says in Philippians one six that he'll complete it until the day of Christ Jesus, or in the day of Christ Jesus, depending on your rendering. So that's not he's going to complete it now or next week or when you reach a certain age or you've gone through enough time in church, but be, between now and the time that Christ returns and I see him face to face, he's going to finish in me the work that he has. Uh, to develop me and make me like Christ. Well,
0: and he's going to be the one, like it says in the thing. He's, he's going to be the, the one, one right. with that bring, ju- brings judgment.
1: Right, not me mustering <laughs> up, you know, good works. He's going to bring the judgment. He's going to do the work of completing this in me. He's going to do the transformation. It it really is. There's an active role in changing my habits, but it's really, in a sense, very passive. It it's and I don't mean to to make that sound lazy or complacent. That's the opposite of what we're talking about. But it's recognizing that um, he, if he's doing surgery, I need to let the doctor work. Right. You know, it, I don't need to get my hands involved in it. That's only going to go badly. I need to let him do what he's doing in me. And if I will make myself a living sacrifice in Romans 12, 1, then I'll see in Romans 12, 2 that I'll be transformed as I renew my mind with his word.
0: It's like when Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost went into Demi Moore's body. Okay, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> little, little. It, it
1: wouldn't be a podcast without a that's strange true. and old pop reference. That's true.
0: <laughs> so, I guess I have a somewhat practical question. Historical question. was a question. good movie.
1: Probably the last one I really enjoyed. Whoopi Goldberg in, at the, that's for S- per me personally. So. Same.
0: Depending on what Sister Act came out. Anyway, uh, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I have a historical question. Are you ready? Um, did Jesus ever turn anyone away from baptism?
1: No, we don't see. In, as, as far it, as we know, yeah, we don't see specific um, specific stories of Jesus baptizing. Um, we see that Jesus and his disciples were doing that. Right. In all likelihood, it was he was overseeing it while his okay. disciples were baptizing. Uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time on details that I don't right. know because I'd be speculating. Right. But what we do know is that Jesus specifically said, "Anyone who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out." Okay. But he did clarify what's going on in the heart. So when the rich young ruler comes to him, says, "What must I do to be saved?" And he says, "Sell everything you got, give it to the poor. Why? Because Jesus doesn't want rich people. No, that's not it at all. but he knew there was an idol in this guy's life. If you want me, you need to be willing to give up everything. And he's exceedingly clear about that, painfully clear about that. You need to be able to give up relationships, all these other things. And what I give you is far better. there's no comparison and you may have all those things in abundance afterwards but seek me not those things when he presented that to the rich young ruler we're told that the young man went away sad why did he go away sad because he didn't want to give up his stuff we do that with our sins with all of the different things that we hold on to so does jesus turn people away yes and yet no so the, he, I mean, he tells you, you pretty
0: clearly what to do. You don't get
1: to come as a fake, right? He turns away because
0: he knows that. But That's he
1: presents the reality, and with that reality, you're either in or you're out.
0: Right, well, I guess that was the point of my question because he already obviously knows what your heart is. Right. You know, so is he going to look at you and say your right. heart is and, not with and me? And he says,
1: in, in that final day, many are going to when the judgment comes, many are going to cry, Lord, Lord, and he's going to say, uh, Who are you? You know, depart from me. I never knew you well, didn't we do all these things in your name? Didn't we have all this ministry and all this great religious success in your name and prophesy and so on and so forth? It's like, I don't even know who you are because doing the outward things is not what makes the inward change. But having the inward change should always, must always result in the outer things as well.
0: That's not necessarily to say that we don't mess up. (laughs) No, for sure. Because when you just said the, the, the... you know that rich guy felt bad after Jesus said, "Give up all your stuff." And I mean, I think as people, we can understand that. That'd be hard to do. Mm-hmm. I feel bad when I screw up, and it makes me a little scared. Yeah. Uh, like when that judgment day comes, am I going to be thinking, "Oh my gosh, I did all these horrible things"?
1: Yeah, and, and we have a lot of things in the Scripture that are given for our assurance. The entire book of First John deals with that, so that we can be confident in our salvation. And I guess that's the point of repentance. Yeah. And, well and and you know we're told that uh, when we when we do these things our, our hearts you know John says is our, our our hearts condemn us sometimes that's our our feelings our guilt and yet his love God is bigger than our hearts and so Paul says kind of in keeping with what John writes in first John Paul points out when when our when we're accused our our spirit testifies with God's spirit that we are the children of God. Mm-hmm. So even when I see, if I'm looking at my behaviors, I might say, man, that does not look like a Christian. But I'm convicted by the Holy Spirit, so I can't continue to live in that way. I, I You know, as a Christian, I might still sin, but I'm never going to be okay with that again. I'm not yeah. defined by it. I'm not going to say, well, you know, I'm doing my best. If my a philosophy is, well, God knows I'm trying, I'm doing my best, then I'm probably not saved. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus took that on, so it's already paid for. If I'm but that okay, doesn't
0: mean we're just like no. Cool, if I'm okay oh, with do, that, right. then
1: I haven't really understood the gift. I haven't appreciated that, and then it really doesn't avail for me. If I can use an old hymnal term, um, you can. His His blood is sufficient, but just like in the Old Testament, the sacrifice the sacrifice was something that had to be done in order for god to apply forgiveness but it had to be offered in faith by those people if you came in, and just went through the ritual without repentance in your heart you weren't forgiven and he says that pretty clearly in leviticus and the prophets make it clear when god says stop i don't want your worship well, like i don't need trying your to sacrifices pull the wool over i need his your eyes.
0: heart you know it's trying to yeah. hide with fig leaves essentially right
1: and he's kind of smarter than
0: that a little bit I feel like this could be 75 podcasts. I'm sure it could. This particular subject.
1: And it'll come up again numerous times throughout the book.
0: Right. But we'll wrap it up here for today. And uh, your sermon on Sunday is going to focus a little more on this, right? And Luke chapter 3.
1: I hope so. I put a lot of time into making sure it does.
0: (laughs) If it didn't, that'd be really weird now. Uh, So be sure to listen to that. We'll post that on Sunday or Monday. Uh, But we'll wrap it up here for today. So thanks for listening, guys. thanks for listening. Obviously, like we said, we'll get into this subject and these subjects a little more as the weeks go on. If you ever have any questions of your own, feel free to download the Anchor app and leave us a message on there. You can actually leave a voice message and we'll put it right in the show. I can't be the only one with questions and I'm not that entertaining to listen to. So feel free to to chime in. Other than that, we'll see you next time.